This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalo falahi atu, koe ngoa, haku ko den halatau, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm joined by my lovely co host, Sarah Nengama. Sarah. Bula Jean, I am so impressed with your opening. Well, it is Nguyen Language Week, and I profess I cannot speak um, Nguyen, but I, I thought I'd give it a, a crack with a, a hello and um, introduce myself to the audience, to our listeners out there, and Hopefully I didn't butcher it too much. And that's on the to-do list. I know we've spoken about this before, about mm. learning our native tongue. And uh, it's something that has been on my to-do list for a while. So I need to act on it. No, I'm, I'm very, very impressed. Uh, before we get stuck into it, how have you been? I've been good. I've been busy. Work's been busy. Oh, everyone, preach, brother. Everyone goes, oh, the footy season's over. So you're in off-season like the rest of the guys. Okay, well, that's the football players. They get, <laughs> Admin doesn't stop. They get to go into off-season. We have to review the season where there was a lot of things that changed, and then we start getting ready for next year as well. So it's a bit of a new experience for me this year because I'm with a different team, mm. uh, but I'm enjoying that. Otherwise, the kids have got the news that they're going back to school next week, so they're pumped. They're getting through one more week of homeschooling, uh, which I'm failing at as a teacher, but they're pumped. Love that. How about your week? Is it any any stories? Oh, mate, you know I came with a story today. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Let's go. So last Friday, it was my day off from work. So I'm currently, I'm gradually making my way back to full-time work. So you know what? I was like, I want to live large. It's also, it was the Friday before Freedom Weekend. So I was very much looking forward to the activities I was going to get up to with my friends. Anywho, I've genuinely like, I've allocated time throughout my day. I'm like, hour by hour, I want to get at a podcast with a guy in the UK. I was going to get pampered and I was going out for dinner in the afternoon. My morning started well until I was on this podcast and God bless if you listen to this, like loved, loved the opportunity to talk code with you. But it ran. So initially it was booked in from nine till 10, right? It's now like quarter to 10 and I'm like, wow, like we're covering my football, but like surely he wants to talk about like the media stuff I've been doing and we haven't even gotten there. And then Zoom pops up with like, your call is about to end in X amount of minutes. And I'm thinking, surely we're done. And he was like, oh, I'm going to send you through another Zoom invite so we can continue this conversation. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I guess in 15 minutes you can kind of cover what I've been doing recently. 10.05 becomes 10.10. becomes 10.15. Mind you, my appointment's at like 10.30 and I allocate, like I said, I allocated time for every single thing that I was doing that day. It gets like 10.25. I was like, look, mate, I'm sorry, but we've got to wrap this up. Like I've got things to do this morning. I felt so rude. I was like, we've got to wrap this up. I've got to go. It's like, oh, yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. Get off the court. I rush. I get to the salon to like get a Manny and Petty. And then I realized like I'm really pushing time here. So then we finished and I was like, I had a hair appointment, like another 25 minutes away from this. I was like, look, let me pay for it. And she's like, oh, sorry, darling. Like we don't take card. I'm thinking, mate, it's 2021. Who the hell doesn't take card? Particularly in COVID times, aren't we like trying to stop like people touching Changing hands, et cetera? Money, yeah. And then this is the issue. So I can't do cardless cash. I never carry my wallet with me. Goodness, for on most days, I don't know where it is. <laughs> so I couldn't get any money out. So like you can imagine, this is hugely stressful for me. So I'm like, I actually don't know how I'm going to get money out. So I think, oh, maybe if I go to 7-Eleven and try and buy like some chewing gum, I can get some money out. And so I get there and she's like, 
oh, sorry, you can't take cash out unless you're going to swipe your card. I'm like, but I don't have a card. Like, what is no one listening? Like, I don't own a card. And so then I had to call my partner. He just so happens to have like a account that allows you to get cardless cash. So then I'm walking up and down Campbelltown. And honestly, I look ridiculous. Like I just pulled random clothes. I didn't even have a bloody bra on. I'm just walking <laughs> up and down. I'm like, oh, like I need to go get my hair done. So eventually he's like, go pick up your money. Like it's in the ATM. Went, picked it up, got there, paid her. I'm like, that's it. Like I'm on my way. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be late. But she's pushed her appointments out for me so I can still make it. Just about to hit the envelope, of course. The light shines. you got no petrol in your car. I'm like, if I keep driving, like if I even try to push this, this has happened to me three times. I've broken down on the M5 because no. I've run out of petrol because I don't, I don't know how to read the petrol thing sometimes. But that's another that's story. Not, for another a gauge, it just goes down. And this is not the time to uncover that. Okay. Deep. It's actually a lot more complicated than you think it is. Yeah. So then I like fill my car and then it just irritated me. 179.9. Just change it to 180. That's how much you're going to charge me. Like, you just, like, then the small things really irritate me. Then I get to the hairdresser and she's like, sorry, babe. Like, there are other girls that I like. I need a trip. I was like, that's fine. I can wait. So then I had to sit down for like another, like, hour just waiting. And so I was stressed. I was really stressed. So I rewarded myself with one too many wines on Friday night. But that is my story. <laughs> it's stressful. <laughs> I'm such a storyteller. I'm sorry, everybody. It's a big day, but dramas, no cash, no card accepted. Seriously, if you are a business owner and you are the people that say cash only, get it together. Get it together. I don't know many barbershops that have uh, tap and go, so um, most of the cash only. (laughs) Anywho. What have we got coming up in the next hour? Uh, coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview with PNG cricket royalty, Charles Amini, and we have a new question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. There's been lots that, have ha- that has happened in this past week in sport. Yeah, big news coming out of the NRL. They uh, announced an expansion team for 2023. So the Dolphins, as they're going to be known, are coming into the competition in season 2023, which will take the number of teams to 17 in total. And uh, it's a big move. They've been talking about this at the NRL for a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But it's exciting for the game to be expanding, uh, I believe, anyway. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how um, the Dolphins go. And, uh, yeah, do you have a Dolphin noise? Can you make a Dolphin noise? Are you serious? Why would you do that to I'll me? I'm just asking. Is it a... <laughs> Is it? That was a puppy dog. Say this is <laughs> what was that? That was a dolphin, wasn't it? They squeak. Nelly's trying to furiously squeak, find squeak. a uh, not squeak, squeak a dolphin sound. But anyway, fins up is going to be the hashtag I think for the dolphins. fins up. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And you can just think about from a fan engagement point of view, like you would have your hand on top of your head like a rooster, yeah. like a rooster. Yeah, but a dolphin. Look, I'm <laughs> with the fin. <laughs> You know what? The Miami Dolphins do that in the NFL. So no, it's Wait, now good on your Dolphins. We'll it. see you in 2023. Let's move on to the next part in sport. No, I'm kidding. They have offered Wayne Bennett the, the role yes. of coach. So um, that's that's a huge uh, move from them and, and one that most people expected anyway. Um, the most successful coach in the game's mm. history. He's 71 currently. So um, getting a coaching, a long-term coaching gig at a club, a new club is a uh, a big get for him if he wants to keep doing it. Good on him. He's earned that opportunity and he's very well respected in the game. So if it's done, well done, Wayne. That'd be pretty huge. But does that mean he'd finish, like he'd be 74? Well, at the end of that contract, yeah, yeah I guess. Wow. So. Surely there's a point where you're like, you know what? I've done my time. I've lifted the premierships. I've featured. Maybe he just finds it really easy. So he's just like, eh, it's not stressing me. I'll just keep doing it. 
Fair enough. Surely his family miss him. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Anywho, it's huge. Well, Sarah, last week you promised us, <laughs> we, we were talking oh, yes. about your social of the week was a, uh, over in the Farrah Palmer Cup, mm. uh, a attempted conversion, the mm. ball falls off the tee, a yeah. um, little bit of chaos after that, but you said you were going to find out the, the answer to the rule. Yes. And so I, I did. I invested some time and effort into it and um, contacted World Rugby and I'm waiting for a response. So let's just, let's keep that in the run sheet. Ask me next week, but they've basically left me on red, but I'm, 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 I'm going to remain persistent and keep pushing. Where are they based? Where, where's the office? How do we call them? Uh, they're based in, um, hang on a minute. <laughs> oh, it's, I've, it slips my mind, okay. but it's like, you know what? You, you just keep stitching me up today, Dean. <laughs> and I just don't know oh, how to wrong. react. <laughs> You know, it is summer in Australia when you turn your TV on and you see that the WBBL is back on the scene. Cricket is back. It kicked off on the weekend in mm. Tassie. Yes, it Home did. of the Hobart Hurricanes. Yes, it did. And the Hobart Hurricanes hosted the Melbourne Renegades. The girls didn't do well on home soil, but we saw our favourite Australian Fijian, Belinda Vakaroa, take two wickets. Yes, it wasn't a great start for the Hurricanes, but Belinda took the two wickets, which is a, a good start to her campaign as a bowler. I think she bowled four overs in total. They had three games uh, all up one day after each, uh, the, the Hobart Hurricanes. The second day on the Sunday, they took on the Sixers, where they went down, as you said, unfortunately, 129 to 125 uh, and five wickets difference. And then the last match they Managed to get a win on Tuesday against the Melbourne Stars. Actually smashed them. So yeah, wow. four for 152. Uh, the Stars were all out for 89. So a big win there for the Hobart Hurricanes on Tuesday. Third time lucky. That's right. And in the Men's T20 World Cup, a team that we've been following closely is the PNG Barramundis. And they didn't get off to a strong start, but their, their campaign is well and truly underway. Yeah, unfortunately, they lost to Oman uh, last Sunday. They, they went down by 10 wickets. So they finished with nine for 129, Oman chased without losing a wicket and got 131. So a big win there for them. At the time of recording, we're still waiting on results uh, for the Barramundis versus Scotland and then Bangladesh. So we'll bring those scores back to you next week. From the pitch to the field, we come into week six of the NFL. Dean, how is your fantasy team going? Well, I've got four fantasy teams. I think I don't know if I've mentioned that before because I'm a nerd. That's a um, li- that's, is that a lot of maintenance? Yeah, it is. It's excessive and I'm finding it very difficult. I'm too from- Ah, so when you're not contributing to our run sheet, you're contributing to your fantasy well, team. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm two from four, so yeah, that would indicate <laughs> from the weekend I, I lost two, one, two. So it's, I finished square, not too bad. Um, what were some key performances? Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have Tom Brady, who's like 83 goat. years old and he's, yeah, he is the goat. He's um, got six Super Bowls, something like that. Anyway, they played against the Philadelphia Eagles who we've been tracking because of mm. uh, our Aussie ex-football player, Jordan Mailata, who's been playing um, for them as a left tackle. He returned to the field on the weekend after sitting out the last couple of weeks with a niggling injury um, and he did pretty well. Unfortunately, his Philadelphia Eagles went down 28 to 22, but in the post-match, there was a, a little interview where Leonard uh, Fournette, who plays for the Buccaneers, is running back. Huge game. He was getting interviewed, and in the background, you could see two players struggling to get their jerseys off. One in particular was Vita Vea, who <laughs> plays for the Buccaneers. He's a, um, he's a guard. He's a Tongan. He's a, he's a guard for them, a nose guard, which is like the biggest guy on the field, and he couldn't get his jersey off. It was that tight, so oh, damn. one of the staff had to run over and try and pull it off him, but he was swapping jerseys with Jordan Mailata because uh, yeah, the, the little Pacifica connection there. They wanted Love to it. show some respect. Other games of note, Tui Tungavailoa was back for the Dolphins at quarterback. Um, they couldn't get the win in him returning, but he had a huge game. I think he passed for over 300 metres, two touchdowns. So pretty um, immediate impact from Tua returning to the fold. Uh, in other games that, that I kept an eye on, 
Las Vegas Raiders versus the Denver Broncos. They won 34-24 to despite losing their head coach only three days before the game. He got um, stood there? down, stood down slash resigned. He said he resigned, but he got stood down because uh, of some historical emails that were really poor in nature that, that came out about him. And um, yeah, he, he'll be lucky to find a job anytime soon in any sport. So he's gone. Um, but the Las Vegas Raiders did well to get up. And then the last match of the round, which was Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills against the Tennessee Titans was a huge match. The Buffalo Bills are pretty white hot. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, who I spoke about last week, is a gun. Um, but the Tennessee Titans came up with a really big upset, 34 points to 31. Their running back, Derek Henry, was huge. He had three touchdowns, ran for like 170-odd metres or something, or yards, I should say. Uh, so that was a really big performance from him and the Titans and probably the upset of the weekend. But how's my rap on NFL? Is it getting better? I... I am so invested in every word that you said there. I feel like you you were talking like you're on ABC Grandstand and calling play-by-play. I wonder if we can get calling play-by-play in the NFL. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. But no, I'm very impressed, Dean. I feel informed. Well, that's our sport for the week. Thank you. Before we move, I have a question. Yes. How? What is a a one-yard converted to, like, meters? Uh, I'm going to hazard a guess at, like, 0.83 meters or 0.8. Between 0.83 and 0.86 meters, I'm guessing. I so know, one yard is 8.3 meters. No, no 0.83 meters. So oh, it's so less, less than less a meter. Less than a meter, yeah. Oh. So right. I was just trying to like, well, like if he ran. So that feels less than a football field. Because that was going to be my next question. How yeah. long is their field? And why do people use yards? Use meters, man. That's the, that's the system over in the States. I want to change it. Nelly's going to come up with an answer for us right now. I'm not actually going to come up with an answer. But I am going to come up with an idea. I think, obviously, you and I just don't know enough about this, Sarah. There's a lot I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it really shows. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but luckily, we've got Dean here. Yes. Who is the font of all knowledge when it comes to the NFL. So I think maybe moving forward, we, we shoot him a question and we'll get him to teach us a lesson about NFL every week. I can teach you one thing. Oh, yeah. Left side. Strong side. <laughs> Well, my first lesson. He's such a good teacher. Right? That's stuck. Clap, clap for me. My first lesson has been bad then because, not not for that point, but uh, a yard is actually 0.914 of a meter. So, <laughs> bum, bum. It's a bit off. That's um, more math though. Yeah. That's less NFL, more math. But yeah, next week. Okay. I want you, your homework for next week is to bring us some information, something new that we don't know about. Right. Okay. Cha- maybe also like what challenge a sack us. Is. A sack, yeah. Yeah. Put potatoes in it. <laughs> And then you whack the opposition in the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they used to do it. That's why they called it that. We are so, off chumps today, everyone. <laughs> Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? Well, this week on Talanoa time, we're very fortunate to be joined by an international cricketer. He's represented Papua New Guinea. He's been served as a, as a vice captain, also got the opportunity to captain the national team. His name's Charles Armini, and he joins us now live from PNG. Yeah, hi, uh, Dean. Good evening. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the show. Um, we, we broadcast out into the Pacific, so no doubt there's a lot of people out in Fiji that are familiar with your, your name and uh, the fact that you represented your country with distinction on a number of occasions. I guess we'll, we'll kick things off by asking Charles, tell us about who you are, where you're from, and uh, what brings you to us today. Yeah, Charles Amini from uh, Alukuni and Hula, village of the central province. Rigo District, Central Province, Papua New Guinea. 
um, 57, happily retired, doing bits and pieces around the traps. But uh, yeah, started playing cricket very young. As you know, in the 70s, it was uh, the colonial times that I grew up in. So rugby league, uh, cricket, Aussie rules, soccer, they were the main sports that we uh, we played. We had quite a large expatriate community here. So that's how those sports sort of infiltrated through um, ranks. That's really interesting to hear. Looking at your CV, you had a superb career in the game of cricket. Take us back to the very beginning. How did you get involved in the sport? I attended Murray International School uh, in Port Moresby and uh, predominantly um, expatriate dominated. At the time, we had quite a few schools that were similar. So um, all the sports, we played all the sports. And in, in those days, uh, rugby league, I played rugby league. I was a halfback. It was divided into... Um, Kilogram division, so there was under oh, 40 wow. kg and under 60 kg. Yeah. Oh, brutal. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> then we had um, cricket, soccer, obviously. Uh, not so much rugby union, but league was really, really strong. Um, and Aussie rules was pretty big uh, in PNG then, in Port Moresby hmm. in those days. So, yeah, that um, it was that influence. And my father played cricket at the time. He founded the Hoods Cricket Club in uh, 1974. So all my young days, um, well, all the weekends, really. We were, you know, going to watch cricket, you know, lugging all his um, cricket gear along. And uh, I learned how to score very young. So, I, you know, I was the official scorer for Hoods in those days while I was doing my primary schooling. Um, so that's how I, you know, fell in love with the game. Played that and then uh, we were part of the uh, club cricket scene. So the Port Moresby International High School, which I attended, um, was part of uh, the Defence Cricket Club. So we started playing as youngsters in the lower divisions of the Port Moresby competition in those days. Mm. I was fortunate to uh, travel with my father to uh, New Zealand uh, when he was appointed High Commissioner to New Zealand in the early 80s. So uh, I spent a couple of years there and I ended up uh, playing for Onslow College uh, and also the Onslow Cricket Club. My debut was um, with the Onslow Cricket Club. I actually bowled against Bruce Edgar. Uh, who played for Kilburnie. Uh, he was the opening batsman for New Zealand at the time. So, um, yeah, had um, Jeremy Coney was our captain. Uh, he was also a PE teacher at uh, Onslow College in uh, 1980, 81, 82. So I came back to um, Port Moresby and then just continued to play cricket here. Met my missus uh, early during the uni days, and uh, we had a child pretty young, Christopher, um, and the first thing he picked up was a cricket bat, and <laughs> the next uh, child was a boy, Colin, and he picked up a cricket bat. And then Charles Jr., who's playing in the current uh, PNG team, uh, he was probably the most keen out of all the kids. He walked around, slept with a cricket bat. So, yeah, it was in the blood. And uh, it rubbed off on my missus, who, you know, who came back. Kune, Lake Kune was, uh, was a netballer, really. Uh, but, you know, the cricket uh, tradition sort of... Uh, Rubbed off on her, so she uh, took up the game. Indoor cricket initially, because there was no women's cricket uh, in Port Moresby until 1990. And when that she came onto the scene, um, she became pretty good at it as well. So she probably did much better than than me. Uh, I can vouch for that. Uh, but the kids also uh, took it up. And uh, I think we were fortunate that in my career, I worked for Shell, Shell Company, and uh, I spent... Uh, 20 years then, uh, three of those years we spent in Melbourne. Uh, I was assigned uh, uh, to work in Melbourne and, uh, in the late 90s. 
So um, Chris, Colin, and CJ had the you know were fortunate enough to to be with me and uh, get involved in junior cricket, and that's where the kids learned they played their trade. Well, it sounds like it, cricket is well and truly in in the blood, no doubt. That the fact that you passed down from your father and you've passed it on to your kids alongside your late wife and um, to be able to travel as well with cricket that must have been a great experience I know you say that you went because of other things but to be able to to play cricket around the world that must have been a, a really enjoyable experience Oh absolutely I mean I, I got to travel to uh, Namibia, uh, Holland wow. uh, in those days the ICC tours were held in Hill in the Midlands so all all the countries at the time I think it was 16 it all converged on in uh, in Birmingham, you know, the Sullyhill, which is just outside of Birmingham, where it was all, all converged there and played for like six six weeks. And every second day, you played a minor county side, so uh, you're traveling all over England uh, and playing a lot of cricket. So it was good fun. Um, but we were all sort of uh, amateurs then. We had to pay our own way to get there, look after ourselves, compared to. Uh, what uh, CJ and his his uh, teammates are enjoying today, yeah. So yeah, I got to see the world and uh, yeah, Kenya in '94 and uh, Malaysia in '97, where you know I had an opportunity to captain once. And Chris, for example, he's been able to play in uh, Argentina and CJ with the under 19s actually played in Canada and yeah, all over the world. So you know. Cricket sports has taken new places. Uh, my wife went to South Africa and Malaysia as well, so it's part of their cricket upbringing. Yeah, I love that. If there's something that we can all appreciate about sport is it enables us to to have opportunities to travel to places that we probably could have only dreamed of um, once upon a time. I just want to turn the attention to your son, Charles Jr. Um, he, as you mentioned, is currently on the T20 circuit. So for you, who is a proud Papua New Guinea man who can witness his son playing the game at the highest level, what does it mean to you? You know, it means uh, so much because you... Uh you, you know, you teach them how to play, um, and then they work on you know with the abilities that they've got uh, and the opportunities that present themselves. They work their way to into the national teams. Uh, so my eldest son Chris, he captained the Bar Mondays for three years. So that was that was an achievement that I I, you know, I only did once. Uh, for Charles Junior, like I think out of the three, he was probably the most naturally gifted. Like I said, you know, he as soon as he could walk, he was you know walking over the plastic cricket bat and. He could bowl googlies when he was six years old. So, you know, when we were in Melbourne, he was an 80-year-old playing under 12s. He was the smallest guy on the park, but, you know, he was so gritty, and you know what could get him out. And being a leg spinner, you know, he uh, idolized Shane Warne. So, you know, he had the dark glasses on the cap back to front, <laughs> bowling leggies. And, you know, you can imagine an 80-year-old doing that amongst the 12-year-olds. So, yeah, proud of Charles. He's, uh, he's done really well. Um, like I said, he's naturally talented out of uh, out of all of them, out of the boys, uh, and he had a different set of skills because he's he's, he's a left-handed bat. Now, none of us in the family are left-handed, um, and he bowls right-handed. Yeah, um, wow! But you know his natural talent, you know, extends into the field. He's he's a brilliant fieldsman, um, probably one of the best in the associate cricketing world. We're joined by Charles Amini, PNG Cricket Royalty, Royalty, I should say, captained them at one stage, and he's sharing with us his journey to play uh, for PNG in cricket and also the journey of his family. 
Charles, I just want to ask you, do you have any advice for young cricketers, being that you've been around the game for such, for so, such a long period um, and, and your kids have been heavily involved in it for a long time? What's, um, I guess, one single piece of advice that, that you would say is really important for young cricketers? Hard work. Hard work, lots of practice. You've got to really commit yourself. Um, once you're in and if you want to you know, make it to the top, you've really got to commit yourself. Um, be disciplined in terms of uh, attending training and trying to learn as much as possible from people who played the game before you, uh, from your teammates as well. So really, that is solid advice. Would, uh, yeah, really good advice. Take that on board. Any young young, young cricketers <laughs> listening out there, Charles? Um, before we let you go, we like to end our interviews with a light segment called Tip On. It's just a it's sixty seconds of rapid fire questions. Um, it's fun. It's lighthearted. We don't want you to think too much about it. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you up for it? Yes. All right, awesome. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? The uh, oh, Mining Magazine. Okay. Recently, as of uh, this morning, because I had to help my granddaughter <laughs> do her uh, environment assignment. So fantastic! What was your first concert? Sorry. What was your first concert? First, con- first concert was actually George Benson. Mm. George Benson, Athletic uh, Park, nineteen eighty-one. Love it. Who was your most annoying teammate when you were playing? Most unruly. Annoying. Annoying teammate. <laughs> Noel, Noel Carrico. Noted. Who is your sporting hero? My sporting hero, uh, oh, Marcus Bay. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, good movie. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Fried chicken. <laughs> KFC. Favourite place you've travelled to? Namibia. Uh-huh. Wintook. Never been there, but I hope to go there one day. There's some, really, different, unique. some really good answers in there, Charles. Thanks. Oh, I like the, the Marcus Bay one. I, I gave a fist pump when I heard Marcus Bay. <laughs> There's a few question looks on faces I'm kind of like, who is Marcus that? Marcus Bay, Melbourne Storm winger. Won a premiership with them. Oh, Great yes, player. yes. Charles? Yeah, we were, there. we were in Melbourne at the time, so, yeah. Yeah. He was a good, still a good friend of the family. Oh. oh, look at that. Good to hear. Well, Charles, thanks once again for joining us. We really appreciate you um, taking your time out here on Can You Be More Pacific. We wish you all the best watching your son represent yes. on the national team. And uh, thanks once again. Thank you very much. And uh, good luck to the boys. Um, I'm sure they'll bounce back and give us a good show. No doubt. That was Charles Amini, Papua New Guinean cricket royalty. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're back with another question for one of our favourite segments. You can ask that. For all of our new listeners, basically this provides the public with an opportunity to ask either a current or former athlete absolutely anything that they want to. Dean, this week we have a question that has been submitted by Oshay Ole. And his question is, would you rather lose on television or win with nobody watching? Good question, Oshay. I'm not too sure. It's actually Oshay Ole, but... Oshay Ole. Sorry, Oshay. Um, look, I just did it again. Sorry, Oshay Ole. Um, it's a good question. I'd rather win while no one's watching, for sure. You know what it's like to win. You win a lot. It's a good feeling when you win. 
It is, and even better when it's on TV. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's um, it's very embarrassing when you lose on television, like mm. if, especially if you have a bad game, because there's, everyone can pick you apart and point out where you went wrong and give you feedback now on social media. I didn't really get too much of the social media when I played because I was playing that long ago. But um, yeah, I'd rather win while nobody's watching. Mm. Mine would be win with nobody watching, but that purely speaks to my competitive spirit. Yeah. Win with nobody watching. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I still have my pride to preserve and yeah. I need a win. Yeah. There's nothing better than winning. Yeah. Even if you're on TV, like there's TVs like, yeah, cool to be playing at a level where you can be uh, on television, but if you lose, who cares? TV, no yeah. yeah. And I also think it's worth highlighting that when you play Yes, it's, you're there to play with your mates, but you actually don't care who's watching because you're like, I'm just playing for my mates and with my mates. Actually, well, there, there's another qu part of that question. Do you, do you like when you're on, do you feel like there's extra pressure when you're on television? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with Super W, it's broadcasted um, so people can watch us, but it it's scary knowing that like that many people have access to us just because like it's not, it's not a norm. Like we play... Like if you're lucky enough, like if you are someone who just plays club rugby, you might have your game streamed online through like a Facebook or something like that. But yeah, when you're like grand finals, it definitely adds a layer of pressure. Yeah. I reckon there was a time when I was playing where Friday night football was big mm. and Sunday, the Sunday afternoon game was pretty big because they were broadcast on free to air TV and well, they still are, but um, yeah. That was where most of the eyeballs would, eyeballs would be across a weekend of footy. So I reckon players were a little bit more nervous on those games, thinking about the, the bigger audience and um, worrying about how you play. A lot of boys got haircuts for those games as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. A lot of my girls, we get our eyelashes done. I don't. I was blessed with long eyelashes, but some of my <laughs> friends do. But we always paint our nails. But then that comes into our game day ritual. Look, it's a long-winded answer. But in short, we both would prefer to win with nobody watching because... We don't like losing. No, not at all. And definitely not on TV. How <laughs> humiliating. Uh, but if you've got a question or you'd like us to answer anything, please feel free to slide into our DMs. Mine is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitau. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? This is Peter Bussell reporting for... Can you be more Pacific? Today I'm speaking to the PNG Sports Foundation Executive Director, Albert Veritao, who was just appointed in August, and he's got a lot of work in front of him to help sports in PNG go forward. Sports in PNG uh, is a huge thing. A lot of people here love their sport, and uh, they play all kinds of sports. And uh, Mr. Veritao is the man who is in charge of looking after all of that on a national level. Uh, welcome, Albert, to the show. Uh, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Peter, and thank you for having me on this show. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm excited about uh, taking on the role of executive director, and I'm looking forward to it. I've spent quite a number of years in sport, PNG Rugby League, volleyball, and of course, uh, spent quite a number of years in uh, in the corporate world. So I'm looking forward to the challenges. Now, the PNG Sports Foundation, uh, their mandate is to look after all sports in PNG on a national level and, and even a provincial level. What are your plans going forward uh, for this organization and how it's going to help all the national federations in the country, all the different sports, and what's your uh, overall plan for what you want to achieve in the term that you have? 
Well, there's a number of uh, uh, challenges that I, I have in front of me. First of all, uh, I'm looking at the internal structure of the organisation, the uh, the governance structures, the talent and the uh, and the cap capabilities of our people, and uh, of course how we are able to deliver the service that the government uh, mandated us for. So, internally, those those are the things that I will focus on. Externally. I'm looking at a, a lot more collaboration uh, with the all sporting bodies, all the federations, all the uh, stakeholders, uh, all the uh, key partners. So I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to consolidating our relationship and uh, and working together to develop sport in the country, and also sharing some of the resources that the governments are making available to us. And I think uh, thirdly and more importantly is the uh, launching of the sports policy. I'm excited that the, we now have a new policy. It's a it's a thirty year policy, twenty twenty to twenty fifty. There's a lot of good things in the policy, and uh, as we launch it and as we progress with the implementation of it, we'll share some of that uh, with you, Peter. All right, now let's let's get to the challenges that face uh, sports in PNG and and what the PNG Sports Foundation can do about it. Uh, what are the areas that you're looking to improve, uh, both internally with the organization and also the national federations that you deal with? Uh, how can you make uh, them running their sports a little bit better and, and over, overall developing the talent, identifying it, and uh, you know, basically how that is going to eventuate in us winning medals and also the other uh, aspects of, of sports in PNG where it's used as a tool for development? Well, first of all, uh, us as an organization mandated by government to uh, develop sport in the country, I think one of the things that we haven't uh, done very well and, and w which I will focus on is uh, having a much uh, clearer picture of what the federations are doing, working with them, strengthening their, uh, their capabilities, spending time uh, putting the uh, governance structures together. And I'm excited about the policy because the government has recognized uh, the federations through the new PNG Sports uh, policy and that brings us much closer to federations and also working with the federation and identifying pipelines or identifying initiatives uh, such as schoolboys uh, uh, competitions any sporting necessaries uh, the foundations are pretty keen on uh, extending the, the, the development of those uh, initiatives and starting to work with uh, sport to say that listen these are the uh, targets that we're shooting for we want to participate in, in, in international events at a, at a certain level and also start to con consider ourselves as global athletes or global sportsmen and women. So we're not necessarily uh, looking at uh, Papua New Guinea standards, but also looking at how we can uh, compare ourselves with the regional standards or global standards, uh, something that, that will push us to, uh, to reach out for those standards. Uh, because PNG, you know, I'm not very sure we have uh, standards that we can compete at the international level. So I'm pushing that as hard as I can. All right, you said, uh, you said about achieving or getting to international standards or at least you know, achieving a level of, of com competence that will ensure that we hold our own on the international stage. Um, speaking of getting there, we've got this huge event that's held every two years called the PNG Games. And uh, we haven't had a PNG Games, I think, for various reasons, uh, the latest being COVID uh, pushing the uh, schedule. Can you tell us a little bit about when the PNG Games might take place and uh, what, what do you hope to achieve from it? But most importantly, when will the Games take place? Well, Peter, the question is uh, when are the uh, facilities going to be ready to host the PNG Games? So uh, I haven't had a uh, physical visit to the uh, sites. 
to have a look at uh, firsthand uh, the stage of development uh, of the infrastructures in in hosting the game. But having uh, w technical advice uh, being brought to me, the uh, facilities uh, at this stage not ready for us to host the game in November as promised or as uh, planned. In Southern Highlands? In the Southern Highlands, uh, Mendy and uh, Kaguerawa and Kurubu. Those are the areas where uh, the sport is going to be played. So the venues are not ready yet at this stage. So I won't, I mean, everyone can draw their conclusions about uh, that, but the council, the uh, PNG Games Council will come, come out and uh, come back and give us a, uh, make a statement on what is going to happen with the PNG Games uh, at this stage. All right, finally, the huge elephant in the room, the thing that has been uh, impacting not just sports, but everything in our society in Pinjin and the world is COVID-19. How has uh, sports been impacted in this country uh, in terms of competitions being run and uh, also from the Pinjin Sports Foundation's perspective, uh, because we have venues that we, uh, that you, um, you know, hire out, and how's that impacted your your day to day running of the of the foundation, its operations, and and in in, in regards to the venues. All right, uh, thank you, uh, Peter. First of all, let me uh, answer the question about sport uh, in 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 the country uh, and how COVID has affected it. Twenty twenty and twenty twenty one is is most disastrous for sporting uh, organ uh, codes, not so much for rugby and soccer, but uh, all the other codes. Uh, uh, that have been uh, affected by COVID all of last year, best part of this year. So a lot of the competitions uh, are either go not going to play their finals or have, haven't even selected the players or, or, or teams uh, to, to represent the country next year. So that's a dilemma we're in right now. So COVID's uh, done a lot of the damage to us. Secondly, as a PNG Sports Foundation, we supply the venues for sports to uh, participate or compete, run their competition. But unfortunately, four, four of our major venues, the uh, Theramotor Aquatic Centre, the Netball Courts, uh, Bissini Netball Courts, and uh, Ley Stadium and uh, Groka, those venues have been uh, taken over by the uh, Department of Health uh, to facilitate the uh, the testing, the vaccination, and the hospitalization of COVID patients. So that's that's taken a chunk out of our uh, income. So we're now we have about 100 uh, staff who are running the uh, managing the venues for us. So they've been they, the the venues make money to uh, and that covers their salaries and wages also. So now that there's uh, there's a hole in our uh, in our income, the uh, the thought of uh, Laying off uh, workers is starting to haunt me. Uh, so, I have a meeting with the uh, uh, health secretary next week, and hopefully we can come up with some reasonable solutions so I can keep my workers on, uh, uh, on the payroll until such time that normalcy uh, returns. Uh, Peter. All right, Mr. Veritao, thank you so much for your time. On can you be more specific? We appreciate it, and all the best in the future. My pleasure, Peter, and I look forward to many more interviews.
That was a good chat, mm. listening to Albert talk about some of the challenges that they're facing over in PNG with um, people not working because the sporting facilities are closed. And, um, you know, that could be, that's got to be really difficult for, for those. And, and, and obviously sport competition has been shut down, people not having the opportunity to achieve what the Sports Foundation wants to achieve. Yeah, it's really devastating, particularly with COVID because of, I guess, it forcing people to close the facilities at the end of the day, there are people who are affected firsthand by that and it affects their income. So, I mean, it's promising to know that he'll be having chats with the health secretary to kind of figure out solutions as to how he can keep his staff onto payroll. But it also just reminds, like it's a stark reminder of like what COVID does and the worry that it places on people. So hopefully brighter days are ahead of them, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Fingers crossed for sports in general and PNG. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Well, it's up to that time of the week where we talk about socials. My favourite thing. Jeez, have some enthusiasm in your voice. Enthusiasm. <laughs> social media. My we love it. Topic. Yes. Keeping it social. Mm. We talk about our favourite socials from the week. Do you have something for us, Sarah? I absolutely do. And it scares me when you say my full name because... That means I'm in says, Sorry, says. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yes, my social of the week comes from ABC Sports Instagram, and it is a great video. So it's a TikTok video that's been reposted. And as we know, in COVID times, a lot of us have been forced to work from home, including yourself yep. and me. And this guy is at a football game, and he's walking with a green screen behind him. Because, you know, on Zoom, you can change your background. It could be absolutely yeah, anything. Yeah. So this guy is at the football. He has a green screen attached to him. And it looks like when he's on his work Zoom call that he's working from home, but he's not. I mean, it's like, it's really funny. And I know it's it would make a lot more sense once you get to see it, which is a reminder. Go and check out their Instagram. But I think it's so clever. Like, why the hell have we not done this yet? Yeah, it's very smart. I'm sure there's people that have gone in there like oh, for, for a game of golf and put their laptop on the chair next to them. 100%. It's got to have happened. Just like, you know. I'm just outside in the park doing my Zoom call today. I actually saw a friend or her daughter reposted it um, of her mum sleeping but has her, her Zoom on but just has turned off her video. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, like that's that's just facts, man. Like some people just don't vibe working from home. But I just thought this guy was like hella creative about it. Very creative, very cool What idea. about you? Well, also on the ABC Sport Insta, they reshared or reposted a video <laughs> Reshared, there you go. Reposted a video from <laughs> Cody Walker. There's a bunch of the, the South Sydney players and their families that have gotten away after the football season. I think they're up in um, Central Queensland, some of them, like out in the you know those nice tropical locations that you go to for a resort holiday. Anyway, there's a I don't know if you've seen it before, but someone grabs a hat, walks up behind someone, I and hate that, flicks it. It's called the hat, uh, the swoop, yeah, like the magpies come in or whatever. Mm. So yeah, Cody Walker, they're sitting around the the breakfast table, looks like, and uh, he does it to one of I'm not sure if it's his partner, but one of the one ladies, of the ladies the that was at the table <laughs> does the swoop behind her head and. <laughs> Yeah, she almost headbutted the table trying to get away from it. And then Benji Marshall's up one of the table as well. He didn't like it either. He got spooked as well. So I thought it was pretty funny. I think that's so funny. Have you ever been swooped? No, I haven't. No, don't do it to me. No, I've been swooped and it is the most scarring thing. I, I'm not joking. I actually had nightmares oh. of like the, the magpie's face, like it's big touching my nose. Yeah, they're not good. I've, I, to be fair, I have been swooped like at a distance, but never one. Are you trying to one-up my story? No, no, no. I, <laughs> I thought you were talking about actual like, hat swooping, like what Cody Walker did. Oh, okay, no. Like you get, the real life thing. No, the real life thing. Not not badly, no. Have you ever tried the like, 
ice cream container on your head, that sort of thing. You ever heard of those ones? Back yeah, in the day? and it's to prevent the the birds from swooping you, right? Oh, scare them off. You put eyes on it. You put eyes on the back of it. You put it on so that the magpie thinks you're looking at it the whole time, and it won't swoop <gasps> you. Apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. And like, don't bike like bike riders put cable ties through their helmet. <laughs> Yeah. Like you'll never catch me with one of those, man. That was like the old stack hats put yeah, cable ties at the top of it. Yeah, <laughs> Can you just really... wear one for fun? Like yeah, come in with a stack hat with um, cable ties. Yeah, to fantastic. Protect me from all the magpies around uh, the studio. <laughs> anyway, there are our socials from the week. Love it. <laughs> in the rut. <laughs> Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? In the rut this week, we have a mixture of news starting with. Um, some really sad deaths that have happened within the rugby and rugby league community. Um, starting with rugby, the community worldwide is or has been rocked by the news of Chief Samori All Blacks winger Sean Wainui, who passed away earlier this week in a car accident. Super sad. It's um, been flooding all of our feeds. He leaves behind a very beautiful and young family. So our thoughts and prayers are with her and their bubs. Yes, they certainly are. And, and another um, loss throughout the week was uh, a rugby league legend in, in Norm Proven. He's an immortal. Um, he played during a really successful period for the St. George Dragons. And uh, he's a legend of the game and, and passed away earlier this week. Um, he'd, he'd been battling some ill health for a period now. Uh, and we wish um, our condolences and, and our best to Norm's family, uh, the Proven family and the wider rugby league community. Turning our attention to brighter news, the Fijiana 15s team have kicked off their preparation for World Cup, which hopefully I will be playing in next year in Auckland. Uh, But the team have a squad of 30 local players currently training together. And it's really important, I guess, particularly this far out from World Cup to, to bring the girls in. There has been interest from international players or players who live abroad that have expressed their interest to play for Fijiana and hopefully kid up with them. So they're in a good position. You always know it's a it's a good thing that when you're training, there are girls that are pushing for jerseys and there's outside interest coming in because it makes everyone want to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Are you in your preparations already, Sarah? Yes. Every yes, week. You, are. you know, some of us enjoyed freedom week and then it really showed at conditioning on Monday, but Hey, who's <laughs> judging? Not me. <laughs> well, good luck to the Fijiana team as they get ready for next year's world cup. Not too much luck when they come up against the Wallaroos, of course. And the Fijian Drua are preparing for their first foray into the super rugby competition. And they are, um, preparing and that they understand that it's going to be a big challenge, but they don't want to just make up the numbers. Yeah. No one actually ever wants to make up the numbers. You want to be there to compete and to challenge every single team that's there. I'm a little interested to know how next year's um, tournament will, unf- not necessarily a tournament, but the competition will unfold with two new teams coming in. Like where will they, where will they stand with the current super rugby teams? But I mean, it's super exciting to see Fiji and Drua, you know, really owning this opportunity. And then, you know, we'll, we're going to touch on one Pacific in a second, but it's great to see that they have their squad locked in and they have their sights set on 2022. We know that the boys have met a little bit earlier than their, the other Super Rugby teams, but I guess when you're coming into this and you're trying to um, blood new talent and expose them to a new level of, of rugby, time is something that you need. Yeah, definitely. They've also bolstered their uh, staff ranks as well. They've, they've added physio, um, a couple of assistant coaches, a manager, uh, and a general manager. So they're, they're well and truly on the path to getting ready for that competition. Looking at the dates, that's like, oh, sorry. Looking at this, the launch date of this, February 18th is not very far. It's going to be upon us before we know it. And then we'll be talking about Super Rugby in the wrap-up. 
We love to hear it and talk about it. Well, the other Super Rugby franchise that's coming in next year, Moana Pacifica, they've announced some signings. One in particular that's a, a superstar of mm-hmm. formerly Australian Rugby Union in Christian Lee Lafano. This is huge. And you look at Christian and the role that he played at the Brumbies. He is a formidable fly half. And when you're looking at the best teams in the Trans-Tas, when you need a calm, cool and collected and a very experienced fly half to be able to lead your men on the field. So that's a huge signing for them. It is massive. He played 26 tests for Australia. So he's got that experience at that level. Um, he scored 171 points. We know he can kick the, kick goals well. He's had some challenges in his life as well, which mm. he's overcome. So he'll be a, a very good addition uh, in the Super Rugby competition for Moana Pacifica next year. How exciting. A whole team of Pacifica players. It's going to be good to watch. Gone. Gone. Cross codes now to Rugby League and in the NRL. We, we spoke about last week some of the antics of the Penrith Panthers post-GF and uh, a bit laddish, a bit of fun, but it, it overstepped the bit mark. Bit of mature. Yeah, a bit of mature. Overstepped the mark uh, on a few um, incidents and uh, one of them was the trophy getting um, dismantled and walked around in a pram. That's earned uh, Nathan Cleary and Stephen Crichton a fine from the NRL. I mean... Eggheads. I just like, I don't know what to say, eggheads. But I think it's also like a punishment that fits the crime. Like you guys disrespected a trophy and although that would have not been your ten, your intention, um, a lot of people in the public were not pleased with it. And as we touched on last week, a couple of NRL bigwigs weren't really pleased with their behavior as well. So silly, but they've owned it and they've been handed some notices. So you can only hope that if they get the experience again, they'll be a lot more careful. Indeed. And another player, uh, Tyron May, he put up a, an unsavory post on his social media in the aftermath of the grand final. He's been stood down from the club. I'm not too sure around uh, how long that is for, but he's been stood down for the moment. And I believe his social media is gone. So, um, <laughs> One week they're posting every hour, the next they're gone. <laughs> On ABC Radio Australia. Looking forward this week, we have a fair bit to look forward to. First being the Wallabies versus Japan Tour. As we know, the Wallabies are currently overseas for their spring tour. They have their first international fixture. That will be played on Saturday. Who do you have, Dean? Oh, the Wallabies. They're yeah, on a run. Too. They're going for five in a row, five wins in a row. So I think they can do it. Yeah, I definitely tip the Wallabies to to go all the way through. Look forward to that. It's also like makes you feel like things are getting back to normal when you yes national sport teams are travelling north mm. across oceans to get to. Not places. that there was anything wrong with Queensland, but we just love to travel abroad. Yes. Well, speaking of travelling abroad, the All Blacks are playing against USA in Washington on Sunday. How good the All Blacks got this? Yeah. Oh, look, I don't give USA a hope, but. Go the All Blacks. And again, great to see some international rugby getting played in unique, different locations. Take me on tour. And there's something that I wanted to bring up, and it's the Dolphins, right? So we announced early in the show that this team is is locked in to launch in 2023, which is super exciting. There's obviously no talk around the signings, but I want to set us a bit of a cool challenge. What are we going to do? I want us to be able to create our game day 13. Okay. And you basically have to choose players who are off contract. All right. So that could be that they're a player who hasn't been picked up, but is still playing or a retired player. Cool. I like this. We'll, we'll go through one to 13. So don't worry about the benches. We'll just get a starting 13. Yeah, give me a starting 13. Players off contract in 2023 at this point in time. Yes. And we'll come up with our best team. 
Best team and your captain. And captain, yeah. Cool. I like that challenge. We'll have it ready next week. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? That's all we have time for. Yes, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. If you miss a show or you just want to listen to The Magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. Mutolo kia. Mwade. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.